series called Hashtag Following. If you have your Bibles or ready to get the scripture, please go to Matthew 16. We're going to uh, just look at a verse of one passage of scripture that is just going to be our kickoff for this whole series. Matthew chapter 16. And I'm going to read this out of the New King James Version of the Bible. If you have a different version, uh, we'll get to the same place together. All right, Matthew chapter 16. Just please look with me at three verses, beginning at verse 24. The Bible says, Look, then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So what comfort is it to a man who gains the whole world and loses his soul? What comfort is it for someone to gain the whole world and lose their soul? Young people, I would like you to pay particular attention to this. I know that you know, to you, sometimes, you know, church can be boring and things can be boring here, but I think this is a word that uh, God would want you to get down in your spirit. I'd like you to do something for me this morning. If you're able to do it, including the young people, I'm going to take me real quick. I'd like you to do this. I'd like you to lean forward just a little bit. Everybody, lean forward just a little bit. Just lean forward if you can do that. You're able to do it. Just lean forward. Have you ever, now you stay right there, have you ever uh, been in a conversation with somebody and they have something really important to tell you and you kind of lean in and they want to show you where their shopping store is or they, maybe they have some gossip and you shouldn't be leaning in for that, but, you know, some of us do or they have something real important, you know, that you cannot miss, so you lean in and you make sure that you absolutely hear exactly what they're saying. Okay, you can lean back. That's the posture I want your spirit to have in this series. I'd like for you to lean into it, but as I'm going to do, to hear what God would say to us. I would like for you during this series to not uh, hear some things and look around and say, yeah, well, you know, so-and-so, you know, my wife, she really, uh, that's a good one for her. She, she really needs to hear that. I'd like for us to look in the mirror in this series and say, you know, that's a good one for me. <laughs> you know, even though I've heard it before, I've tried it before, I've failed at it before, but yet and still in 2017, it's a good one for me. And that's the kind of series this is, it's a reflective series. So we're talking about follow. I want to just start off with a little introduction this morning, and I want to relate to you a story that some of you may know. It's a, it's a piece from a book written more than 100 years ago called The Princess and the Gobbler. Now, I want uh, to offer your forgiveness if you hear me say goblin in a story and it offends you because it's a goblin and I'm talking about a goblin in church. But the story is just very relevant, so if you just stick with me. The story is about, I'm just giving an overview if you've ever read this book, about a young girl who's in her house and uh, she's afraid because she's heard about these goblins and Fairy, fairy godmother comes to her. And actually, it's really her grandmother, but her fairy godmother comes to her and says, 
I am going to leave you. I'm not always going to be with you. You won't be always be able to see me. But whenever you get afraid or whenever you get scared, I want you to take this string and I want you to just follow this string and this string will lead you to me. And she said, well, what string? I can't see the string. So he got mother. She said, here, let me take your hand and I put her hand on the string. And she said, okay, I can, I can barely see it, but I can feel the string there. She said, we'll always be right here. And if you ever get afraid, just follow this string and it will lead you to a good place. Just follow it. So she said, okay, okay. Grandmother went away. Sarah's grandmother went away. And, uh, and, and that string was left there in the attic. And this little girl's name was Eileen. And uh, some time later, a year later, uh, she hears some things up in the attic. And uh, she's afraid of the goblins. And so she gets uh, very afraid. And so she goes and gets the string. And she starts following the string. And the string leads her out of her house and into the woods. And finally, she gets to a place where she sees a cave. And she's thinking, my goodness, I'm following a train that is leading me into the cave that looks like the cave of the goblins. She says, this is this right, but my grandmother told me to follow it, so I'm going to continue to follow it. So she follows the train, and she gets into the cave, and she comes to a wall, and the train goes through the wall. And now she says, first I follow this train, it's me out of the house, through the woods, into this cave, and now I'm at a wall where I can't go anywhere else. What am I supposed to do? So she sits and she contemplates, and then all of a sudden she realizes that she's supposed to go through the wall. So she starts moving rocks out of the way, and sure enough, the wall begins to move. It begins to come down, and the wall begins to break down, and she is able to go through the wall. Finally, she gets everything out of the way, and she goes through the wall into another room. Lo and behold, in that room, she hears someone talking, and it is a friend of hers, another child that had been missing for some time, and so she finds this other little boy that had been missing for a long time. Well, when she gets in there, she says, how in the world did you find me? She said, I just, I wasn't looking for you. I was afraid, and I was following this train. And so he said, all right, well, let's go. I'm glad you found me. Let's get out of here. So she turned to go the other way, and the spring wasn't there going that way. The spring only went one way, further into the cave. And she said, well, what are you doing? Let's go. She said, well, I can't go that way. I'm supposed to follow the spring this way. And he said, well, I don't know about you, but I'm getting out of here. I want to get out of here. I don't even see the spring. She said, well, the spring's right here. And he said, where's the spring? She said, I have the spring right here in my hand. He said, you need to tell me that you have the string right now. Yeah, I have the string. He said, well, I can't see the string. He takes his hand like her grandmother took her hand to feel the string. He can't feel the string. Only she can feel the string. So finally, he trusts her enough to go further on and follow the string. Now, I'm going to stop right there with the story, and I won't tell you any more. Maybe I'll tell you some more next week or the week after, because... That's relevant to what we're talking about. Obviously, when you listen to this story and relate it to what we're talking about, I'm using it as a metaphor to talk about following Jesus. That's what we're talking about, isn't it? We're talking about being a follower of Jesus. 
And there were times when Jesus would say, just follow me. Here's the thread that I want you to follow, and just trust and follow that thread. We may not be able to see it very well, and guess what? It, when we follow Jesus, uh, there's an old song, I believe, that says, no turning back. And if you look back and wanted to go the other way, the string is cut off. You could only go one way with the string. There's no turning back. You see, I use this title here, Hashtag Follower, because in our world today, uh, with social media being so prevalent, being so, and I'm a social media person, you know, I'm on a couple of the things, Facebook and Instagram, and I don't look at Twitter anymore. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've been on those things, and I've seen some of the stuff on social media, and I'm not against it, uh, you know, 100%. It's like anything else. It has good and it has bad, okay? That's what we do with it. So it's just a vehicle. But with uh, social media being so prevalent, uh, when you're on social media, one of the things you can do, and young people can, uh, can, can vouch for me on this, when you see something that's interesting, if I see someone on there, I don't necessarily have to know that person or know anything about them or know who they are. Maybe they just post a picture or some comment that's interesting, and I say, I want to follow them. So I hit a little button that says, follow them. Now, when I hit that button to say follow them, that doesn't mean I know all of their ideals. I knew where they grow up or their environment or even what they do. I don't know their character or their integrity. I don't necessarily know their beliefs or what they post on there. But I can follow them because I click the little button, follow them. But the thing about that is, if that person starts to post some things that I don't like or contrary to what I believe or pictures that I don't want to see or they're just downright boring, then I can just say, well, you're just a dummy. I don't want to follow you anymore. So I'll click the button and say, unfollow. And it's as easy as that. I can follow or unfollow just as easy as that. Well, the thing about being a follower of Jesus I think that, especially American Christianity, but I believe Christianity today sometimes gets it confused. They get following Jesus confused with following a person on social media. There are a lot of times when we want to say we, we, we want to follow Jesus, so we just click on the follower button to see what he might have to say or what pictures he might have to post or does he entertain me. And what we want to do is when Jesus isn't entertaining us and when it's not what we want to hear or see, we want to click the little unfollow button. But guess what? With being a Christian, there is no little unfollow button. Jesus said, I would that you be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. Just follow, unfollow, follow, unfollow. Either follow me or don't. Jesus said, look, this is, a, this is a moment where you're going to have to step over the line. So what are we talking about here? What's my definition of being a follower? My definition of being a follower is simply this. Now look at this definition. It's a person who knows. Okay, I'm there. I can say I'm a person who knows Jesus. I, I've heard about God. I've heard about Jesus, I've heard about this cross, and uh, 
Savior, Messiah, I've heard all these words. I'm thinking it has something to do with a burning bush and a whale and a boat. And, uh, you know, God, I've heard these things. So I know who God is and the one guy that, that parted the Red Sea. And uh, I know about all of that. So I, I know who Jesus is. Yes, the person who knows. Maybe a little deeper. I'm a person who knows and loves. Uh, okay, I can, I can say that. I'm person who knows and I, I love Jesus, you know, because I go to the hand-raising church and I'm all the way up to here. I might not be with the touchdown yet, but I'm here. And so, you know, it's evident that I love Jesus. I'm a person who knows and I love Jesus. Let me go a little further. I'm a person who serves Jesus. Well, stop at that point. Yeah, I'm a person who serves because I go to church. So, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, like, Go to church and uh, you know, I even uh, came to that event one time. And when they needed some help putting up the chairs, I, put, I helped put up the chairs. And so, I'm a, I'm a person that serves Jesus. That's my you know, view of serving. And I, I serve Jesus. I know Jesus. I love Jesus. And I serve Jesus. But then we get to a point here where we must not misinterpret. To serve Jesus as the supreme. Passion of life. Well, supreme passion, I think I've been Well, no, but do you serve him as the supreme passion in your life? What does that mean? What do you mean? Well, when something or someone is the supreme passion in your life, that means that they're first above all of them. Well, I can I, well, I would say that, but now that I think about it, I don't know. I mean, what do you mean? I don't even know what you mean, supreme passion. Those are, I mean, that's big words. What do you mean, supreme passion? Number one, he's, he's the first above everything else. Do you love him above football and shopping and your car, your wife and kids, above making money, above your 401k plan, above your job, above being embarrassed? Do you love him above all else? Yesterday, I was at a wedding, and many of you were as well. And one of the things that I love about doing wedding vows is there's a little in the wedding vows, if you do the traditional wedding vows, that says, uh, you know, like I said, you repeat after me, and, you know, I, and Joe Johnson, and you, and it, but there's a part in there that says, forsaking all others. So it's not just that I love you as number one, but loving you as number one means I still hate my love. Are you willing to put everything else down as needed? Everything in your life down as Jesus asked you to. Rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, Lord, I want to follow you. Many of you know the story. I, I love you, Jesus. Uh, I serve you. I know you. And uh, I want to follow you. And Jesus, I believe, and the Spirit knew that this rich young ruler, there's nothing wrong with riches. It was just this person. People said, well, why did he pick out this person? Jesus is just riches. It wasn't the riches. It was the heart. You have to understand. And so I believe that Jesus knew 
that he will always be second in this young man's life. And he said, well, be second, what does that mean? It's very simple. There's, it's the number, one, two, second. There's you know, number one, zero, that's not a number. Then you got one, the first whole number. And then number two, that's the second. He knew he would always be, not be number one. He knew he would always be second because in his heart, this man loved his riches, even though he loved Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't want to be a person that you love just like you love something else. You know, Jesus is not one of our kids. You know, so well, I love all my kids the same. You know, I love you and I also love you. And that's right to love our children that way. But when it comes to Jesus, you can't say I love you and I also love you like that. He has to be first. He does everything else. And so he knew that about the rich young ruler. And so he said, yes, uh, you want to follow me? He said, yes. I do. I, listen, I, I accept the commandments since my youth. I have memorized all the commandments. I know the commandments back and forth. I've served in the synagogue. I've done all of these things. Now, I want to go deeper. And Jesus said, okay. Then sell all that you have and follow me. If you want me to be close to you. Now, Jesus may not say that to everybody. You may be a person of wealth. He may not say that to you because he may be first in your heart. But this young man, he knew he would always be second. And the Bible says that he took a step back and he went away. And he went away fast. Jesus wants to be number one. Everything else comes second. Everything comes second. Now we just begin to get a picture in our mind. We begin to understand that following Jesus is not clicking on the following button so much. It is much more and much deeper than that. There are five revelations along the journey of five groups of people that I want to give you today. And I want you to just see if you can find yourself in this group of people. None of the group of people are bad altogether. And I want to, by the way, I just want to let you know that this series, for me and for you, is not meant to be judgmental at all. Not meant to judge you wherever you are in your life. Remember I said this is, this is a reflective personal thing for all of us. It's going to be for me as I listen to the Word of God. And so it's not meant to be judgmental. It's just meant to be revelatory. Where am I? You know, we always say, listen, you can't get to the next place unless you first know where you are. You know, why don't you come over, uh, why don't you drive over to where I, where I am? Well, we know you do that. I have to know where I am. How do I get there? Well, where are you? If I told you to come over to my house and you said, well, give me directions, I would either have to give you directions from a bunch of different locations or, or, or uh, you know, directions northeast, south, and west, or I could just simply say, where are you? And I can tell you how to get there. Jesus is saying to you today, he knows, but he wants you to understand. He's saying to you, where are you? Because I can get you to here, but you need to know where you are. So look at these five groups of people and uh, very briefly, and see if you can find where you are in the journey. 
Maybe you cross over. Maybe you've been one place and you you're back a little bit. Uh, you know, you just need to understand where you are. The first group of people, and we're going to be delving into these groups of people over the next number of weeks. The first group of people are the admirers. The admirers. Now, the admirers are the group of people that I call the multitude. This is, you know, everybody who's interested, everybody who's heard about Jesus. The multitude of people that are attracted to Jesus because he is wonderful, powerful, and willing to touch their lives. This is just a huge group of people. They heard about who healed uh, there was a lady and uh, she had been to a bunch of doctors and she fell down and something happened and uh, somehow uh, she touched his uh, robe and she was healed. Did you hear about that lady? There was, I remember one time they were at a table and they were uh, talking and this other lady came crawling in but she wasn't even Israelite. She was uh, from Kenya and uh, she said something to him about the breadcrumbs or something and he uh, healed her daughter from I don't know if he went to the house or I think he went to the house. I can't remember. But I heard something about he was healing people and there was another time there was a blind guy and he healed him and he spit on the ground and uh, so and so let's go check this out and see what this is all about. These are the admirers. I just I'm afraid uh, from a bit at a distance, but I'm interested in what you're saying. I'm interested. I think this Jesus person is a good person, it seems like, because he helps people. I know he said some tough things, but I don't know. Let me go see for myself. These are the admirers. I'm saying at a distance. And then you have what I call the inquirers. The inquirers are the many people who are curious about Jesus. They spend time around him and they begin to ask some questions. You know, they, they were invited to church and they were kind of keeping their distance. But, you know, they kind of liked the music and uh, that was all right. I, I saw what that guy said the one time. It was kind of funny. And then that one time when he said, oh, man, I felt like he was talking to me or she was talking to me. And uh, they were kind of weird, but at the same time, they seemed to be nice people because they had food before service and that seemed to be okay. And uh, so I'm going to continue to come back because they seem to be really nice people, you know, other than when they're speaking in other language and doing some other stuff. But uh, that's okay because they seem to be nice. So I'm going to come and I'm going to see what's going on. And now I'm kind of interested. I heard him talking about they have this class on Wednesday night and uh, talks about, uh, you know, how much God loves you. And so I need to ask some questions. So what is this all about? I begin to ask some questions. You know, Jesus, what is this all about? And uh, I ask the people there, what, uh, I need to know a little bit more about what's going on. These are the inquirers. And then uh, when you give an inquirer an answer, you say, well, uh, why don't you, um, yeah, Jesus wants you to uh, come and pray. Hey, well, what do I need to pray for? Well, because the Bible tells you to pray. Doesn't God already know? My, he can read my hand, right? Well, yeah, I suppose He can, but uh, then why do I need to pray? Well, because God wants you, He wants to hear from you. You know, He wants to hear from you from your mouth. Uh, just like, you know, your wife knows that you love her, uh, but she likes to hear it from you. So, same thing. I say, well, okay, that kind of makes a little sense. So, I could do that. Why don't you come serve? Uh, the children, children church needs some help. Why don't you serve down there? Sure. I don't even like children. Well, you love children. I don't like them either. 
well, okay, you don't want to serve. That's all right, okay. Uh, so, well, what else can I do? Well, uh, why don't you share Jesus? Share Jesus? Oh, I don't know. That's just too exclusive. I mean, people, you know, people have different thoughts and different ideas. I mean, I have my idea now because now I, I gave my life at the altar and I'm a new Christian. And, uh, but that's just me. It's my personal thing. Other people have their way and all of that. And, uh, you know, I have my personal Jesus. And, you know, you would say, well, you do have your personal Jesus, but nobody else knows about him. And so uh, that's not what he wants. And so these are the entire people. They want to come and see and they want to ask more questions. But the good thing about it is they're asking questions. They're asking questions. And so those are the inquirers. I'm, I'm past the stage of being admired. I come to church. And, uh, but I'm, I'm just continuing to ask. I'm not committed to anything yet. You know, I, I do love the Jesus person and he came into my life and, and that. And, uh, but I'm not committed to anything. And so we might say, well, you know, you came to the altar and gave your life to the Lord. Why don't you uh, get wild about that? You, you can handle that. Why is that? Uh, what are you saying all about it? Uh, you mean go up there and that water tank where those people put on a robe and their makeup gets all messed up and their hair gets messed up and all of that and you have to go through that? Well, yeah, there's a reason and a purpose for it. Okay, so they're just asking about all of these things. What do I do next? That's the inquirer. And then you have what I call the responder. The responder is a good place to be. People who respond to Jesus positively with an attitude that asks, and here's the key word here, what more do you want me to do? Okay? I asked the first question, you told me to pray, I did that, and you were right. It, it is a good thing. Praying is it's a good thing. And I really, you know, I can't explain it, but I, uh, I, 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 I felt the presence of the Lord. Yes, I felt the presence of the Lord. That's just what you were talking about. You know, I So I did that, and uh, uh, you, I asked you what else should I do, and you told me to serve in children's church, and I kind of did that, and I found out other kids are not so bad, you know, uh, especially when they listen to you. They're, it seems like they're, they're pretty good, and uh, that seemed to be okay. And now you get to that stage where you're saying, okay, what more do you want me to do? What more do you want me to do? Well, uh, I want you to draw closer to me, Jesus is saying. Okay, that sounds good, Jesus. Uh, whatever. What more do you want me to do? Well, I want you to regularly attend church and be part of the fellowship and be connected. Okay, Jesus, that sounds good. You can do that. What more do you want me to do? Well, I want you to find a way to get connected in at your local church, uh, whether it's serving in some capacity with a ministry, maybe. Uh, okay, I can do that. I'm sure there's something there that I could do. Uh, so you do that. And you, and you say, well, what more, Lord? What more? Well, I want you to act the same way in the marketplace and on your job that you do at church now. Oh, okay, okay. All right, all right. That makes sense. I understand that. Okay, that's good. All right, what more do you want me to do? Well, I want you to share my love. I want you to testify, and I want you to share my love with other people. By the way, you might be interested to know this morning that most of the miracles that Jesus did and performed were not in the church, not in the synagogue. You know, that smacked me in the face because 
obviously as a pastor, you have been pressing to say, well, come on, you know, worship team, uh, you know, let's really get it going. Let's have great worship so that we can have a, an atmosphere that's conducive for God to do miracles. You do miracles. You're so great. You do miracles. So people can come to the altar and people can get saved and they can get healed and get out of wheelchairs and you can get uh, healing from cancer and deliverance. Uh, from, you know, whatever habits that people have. God is going to do miracles here in the sanctuary. And then you begin to read the Gospels and you see that very few miracles were done in the sanctuary. And not only that, most of the miracles were done to unbelievers. Come on, man. It was done out in the marketplace. And so that's predicting me. I'm right there. I mean, it, it, you know, most of the miracles were done out, not in here. Now, what do you say, Pastor, that we don't do miracles in church? Of course not. When you run to the presence of the Lord, He is our strong power. He is our faithfulness. Of course, God will do miracles in here, but it doesn't stop here. We are to take this out of these four walls and affect other people. And so we finally say, What more do you want me to do? Now comes the difficult part to our flesh. I want you to be the same way outside of these four walls that you are in here. I want you to be able to show the same love. I want you to testify. Find opportunities to meet you. When you're in conversation, testify about when somebody says, why are you so happy? Or, you know, why when this bad thing happened, you didn't respond negatively. Because of the love of Jesus in my heart. And so that's the responder. And then you have the followers. Next are the followers. I told you I'm at five, so you would tell your followers to be the pinnacle. Well, I'll tell you what the pinnacle is. It's the money. Followers are those who have decided, those who have decided to devote all of life to Jesus, to live life, live life like Jesus, loving Jesus, transforming lives, living like Jesus, and sharing His love. Those are the followers. Now you might say, well, that's what a follower was. As soon as you get saved, you answer that to call, or wherever you might be, out in the parking lot, and someone leads you to the Lord, or whatever, and then all of a sudden, now you're a follower. Well, not quite yet. Because remember the scripture that we started with in Matthew. What did Jesus say it took to be a follower? To deny, come on, deny yourself, do what? Pick up your coat and follow me. Two steps, Jesus says, before you can be called a follower. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. So I would think that you have to go through these other stages first. You have to first be an admirer. I mean, listen, when you, uh, you know, that's what attracted you to your honey. You didn't know all of the ups and downs, uh, you know, about your. Uh, your butter toast, your, your honey bump, you know, you didn't know all of the, you know, but you were an admirer. Maybe it's because of the way that they, you know, looked and you were attracted to their look, or maybe the way they talked, so you were an admirer. And then you went a little further, you began to inquire, okay? And so that's what it is with Jesus. I, I would think you need to go through those other steps, and especially you need to be a responder before we can truly be a follower. You have to respond to Jesus to say, what more can I do to be a follower? And then finally, a reproducer. 
we want to talk about being a reproducer. That is really the pinnacle of what Jesus, where Jesus wants us to go. Followers to reproduce fully devoted imitators of Jesus by intentionally reaching and discipling people. Go and make Matthew 28. Go and make. Let me tell you something. And I'll, I'll end with this. You cannot be a follower of Christ. That's what you Without being a reproducer. Because it, this is not about pushing on a button and hiding. When you say I am a follower of Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to do what he does. And what he does is reproduce. He makes disciples. He shares his love. He cares about others. He wants others to be like him. him. And so we cannot be followers of Christ without being reproduced. Amen. And so as we go through this series over the next few weeks, I just want you to take a moment and see where you might be. And be honest with yourself. We're not going to have a signs up front to say, okay, here's a group of admirers over here. I really thought you were a follower, but you're an admirer. No, this is going to be something between you and God. This is not judgmental. This is something that God is reaching out to you to say, hey, I want to take you to another place. I just want you to look at yourself and be honest with yourself. If you can do that, you're the person I can use. If you're an admirer, that's okay. You know, and I, I, I know most people in here, uh, we're a small church. I know most people in here, and uh, you know, I know probably most people are not at that stage. But between you and God, if you're an admirer, you're kind of sitting on the outside. If you're an inquirer, maybe you haven't really committed. Between you and God, admit that to Him, and God will take you to the next level. 